record that too. First, I want to apologize on my English. I have not such a polished English as you heard now from Rabbi, from Rabbi Goldsmith. Um, um, but I will try my best. Uh, so I will go, I will straight into the matter. Because we want to speak about what does it mean for us to be big. I want to be a big person. You want to be a big person. People want to be big. What does that mean? Where is that greatness showing up? So the first thing we have to we have to um, uh, think about is there is something going on in the Jewish tradition and in the Tanakh too that is called heart heart I want to contemplate together what does it mean heart what, does, what is the meaning of heart so a lot of people think so for sure the first thing you think it's this this uh, machine which makes the blood go through the body. But then you go into a more spiritual way, then you feel a heart is like feelings or things like this. The exact definition, which I don't have, you can see it in a place which is quoted in the Nefeshachai. So it doesn't quote it explicitly, but it quotes the place. The definition of heart is central. The definition of heart is central. Your central point in life, that's your heart. We use that also when we say when we have a lettuce, and the lettuce has a heart. That's right, that's also the center. But heart means centrality. We have to be very careful when we think about those terms, that we don't mix up. Because... A lot of people think heart means feeling. No. I have also thoughts. I have also aspirations. I have also my own insights. Those insights, thought and aspirations, they are real when they are in the heart. The heart is the place where something gets central to your life. That's the definition. I remember I uh, am and I was very interested in, in uh, neuropsychology. And I can't really say the name. It's an Italian name. He lived in, in, in Santa Barbara. Got a Casaniga, you call it. You know? He was the editor of big books. And he gave a nice, perhaps someone who you learned uh, neuropsychology, so he's a big name. And he wrote in a preface of a book that the old primitive people thought that you think with your heart. We know better. We think with the brain. So that was an offense to me. Because I also think you think with your heart. Because I think any thought is real for your life when it becomes central. Thoughts which are not central to your life, they are not real. They won't build you. They won't influence you. They won't make you into a different, bigger person. Greatness of a person has to have heart. That means 
the greatness of a person is only in as much as he has his centrality involved. You can't be a great person because you have a lot of money. You can't be a great person because you have a lot of knowledge. You can't be a great person because you know how to solve problems. That's not a great person. That's a great problem solver. You are a great person in as much as your centrality is involved. Otherwise, I can't understand that you should be considered as a great person. Okay? So that's the first thing I have to make clear over here. Things have to be in a place which is central to me. Then they are for real. I don't know, but you would contemplate and say, what are the central things in my life? I don't know what you would come up with. I don't know what you would think. But things are central. Not too many. Suddenly you see there are only a few. There are not so many things there. Because not too many things can be in your heart. Because not too many things can be central. Center is a point, you know. Some, it's something which is not... Has, it has to be small. It is not a mathematical center which is only one point. But it is central to the person. Okay? That's the first thing. The centrality of human being is connected to the essence of the human being. By us, essence of human being means I don't know how to translate that into into English. You call that Pesira. You call that free will. That's a, this is a philosophical concept. You call that uh, decision making. This is a political concept or <laughs> depends where you are. Or a financial concept or whatever you are, whatever you are, wherever you are. Pesira means something else. Pesira means something that you are, have the possibility to decide on your centrality. I can decide where I want my centrality. It could be my centrality is in, in creating fairy tales. I don't want to offend anyone, but you would be then a filmmaker, a very successful. You can be a very successful filmmaker then your centrality is somewhere to tell stories. Yeah? That's your centrality. But I want to have the centrality within me, not outside of me. I don't want my centrality to be, how does he perceive me? No. Shkoyach, you know. I want to have the centrality within me. But that means I have a, a possibility to make a decision, what is central for me? And now comes the first point which is flying into our faces, which was by the time very actual, the first point. And I now have to order, do you have a bulletproof vest over here? I need one. Just, you'll see, I need one, because you will, you'll attack me. Because you say, no, it's not true, can't be. Reb Chaim was a big person in a central place, in a place where it was central for him, which was connected to that, that he decides, and is growing in his decision, what does he do with his own life? 
we are in a time where we are very curious about what's happening outside. I know today curiosity is like the biggest commandment which is there in the Torah. I didn't find it, but people think that's the biggest commandment. You have to be curious, otherwise you are not in. And especially in those times where we all now are more shivering after this unbelievable remark of President Biden, that's right, <laughs> that's why, what will be, I think that the people in Washington were, were not, didn't know really what to do, how to explain that to the people, that's very interesting, you have to know whether if something has to solve, will escalate, so I have to look, and then, that, but there can't be any minute, you know, so after five minutes, I have to look again, and then after ten minutes, have to look again, because perhaps you don't know when that escalates. That can be in a minute, yeah? So you have to be interested in the world outside, otherwise you are behind the moon, you know? Reb Chaim was behind the moon. Yes, he was. Yes! And you think this is a typical ingredient of this narrow-minded, Haredi, fanatic person, which is not knowledgeable about the world. But your knowledge about the world will never be central. What do you do with that? You think about Putin. Does he think about you? Uh, perhaps about you, yes. <laughs> I can't know. Okay. <laughs> he thinks about your father. Okay. But, but, he, you think about Putin, he thinks about you? No, so why do you think about him? Does it any change to your life? This knowledge which you have changes your centrality? The answer is no. But you are having this fantasy that when you know a lot and you are everywhere in the world and you know exactly what's happening in the film industry and in the military, and in the science uh, uh, scenery, and in the politics, and in the sports, and in every way, you are the biggest person in the world. You are flat, like a stamp. Very broad. Flat. No greatness. Because that can't be central. That is not central to you. It's something which accumulates it itself in your brain, but it's never central to your personality. Why not? Because you can't do anything with that. It's not hitting the point of Bechira. It's not hitting that point. Knowledge doesn't hit there. But Reb Chaim was really not into this exposing himself to all this vast knowledge which is outside in the world. That was not his cup of tea. That's right. It wasn't. It was not his cup of tea. It was not. And you think this is a big minus to a person. When you look around, also in the secular world, people which were great people, they always were in their involvement with the world in a certain way narrowed. They were not everywhere. A person which is everywhere can't be great because it's lacking the heart. It's lacking the centrality. He is everywhere. Huh? So that's not a big person. It is an unbelievable accumulation of knowledge or things like this. 
But greatness doesn't stem from there. We have to redefine that. Because we define greatness with that, that someone, everywhere you speak with him, is really on the ball. You know, a very impressive, super intelligent, a great person. No. Again, greatness has to do with your heart. We have to be careful. Greatness has to do with your heart. Where are you? Where is your centrality? Are you able to make that grow? Okay? That's, that's the first step. That's the first step. You, this is one of the biggest, the biggest problems, according to my opinion, which we have in the modern times, in the digital age, that takes away all the greatness of people. Because you are feeling obligated that you should be connected everywhere. And then you can't be great like this because centrality is gone. You are not central. Today, there is even in your child education, that's one of the biggest problems in the child education, that you have to give the children a sense of an ownership of their own life without being approved from outside. There's something central by me. Today, that that's begins to be inexistent. You have to be approved. You have to be known. That's a very... It is a, it's, I don't speak about mental illness, which comes from that. I speak about simply the concept. The concept, when I need that you are... Given, how do you say it in the beginning? The way like this, you know? Yeah, yeah. You are given an applause, you know? When I need your applause, and I need your approvement, you know? I need that you smile to me. I need that you should... You should listen to me. I, I, I'm in urge of that. And that's my whole life is about that. Something is not central. Because I am placed outside of me. Not within me. We have to find that we are within ourselves. Now, that's not the whole picture. Be calm. Eh? Be calm. It's not the whole picture. And by the time it wasn't the whole picture. But that's the first step. It takes an enormous effort these days that we are able to recreate our heart. Right? Because the, the thing, that what is meant, there is, only for the rabbi, there is one place I found in all of, of Talmud, which is speak about Moach. That, that thing is not mentioned. It's there in that source. They speak about Moach Velev. And they say, Moach, brain, is above and heart is central. They are the same. Only the moyach is above. So we are all people of brain. Above. We think a lot. Above us. Great concepts. Unbelievable insights. But we are lacking the heart. Because there is nothing central. Yeah? Nothing from that becomes central to our life. And the whole work you have with yourself is that those concepts or those insights, those life principles or those encounters which I have with another person should be a part of a centrality in my life. Encounters with other can also be like this. But then it's not about, about being curious. It's about being with the other person. This is this is essentially the world which I want to attack. But that's why I need a bulletproof vest. 
curiosity. Curiosity kills greatness. No. No. Einstein wasn't curious about history, believe me. No. It wasn't his cup of tea. There was a, no, there were certain things which are, no, you are not curious about anything, you know. No. You know your place and there you are involved. You are not curious. You are involved. When you are involved, you want to know more. You want to more, know more details. You want to know more of information, for sure. But it's a part of where you are involved. Today, people are no more involved. They are imported, not involved. Yeah? So, curiosity is a very... It's a dangerous word. And when I say that, every time, I, people bark at me. Really. And I say, but curiosity is a good thing, otherwise you would stay the same. No. No, you don't stay the same. No. Not at all. Because you will grow. But you will grow in a central place within your life. Now, that's not the whole picture. Because, because this, I, I tell you, as the thing, not all of you could perhaps appreciate that. But uh, I will try to explain that. Um, this uh, Rakhaim himself, he he um, uh, was known for that. That every letter you write to him, he answered. He answered letters. That's a very rare thing. Till the age of ninety more, he answered all the letters from small children, from simple people from whatever, not only sophisticated letters, very simple questions. He said, yes, it's like this, or no, it's like that. It goes about Torah. They asked him about Torah, and he answered with his handwritings. He had to, I think he had to leave the space, you know, and then he returned. He returned the thing with the answer in between the lines. You ask a question, you get an answer. You got answers. That takes an enormous amount of time. Enormous. He was once asked, why do you answer all these letters? Why? Why do you answer all these letters? It takes away from your time learning. And you have to appreciate that. That is a question you have to appreciate. That by those Litvaks, which Rabhaim was a descendant of those people, by them, learning Torah was very central to their life. Very so why do you invest time in answering all these questions? It takes a huge amount of time. So the answer of Rabbi Chaim was most surprising. I think the rabbi, I couldn't believe it when I heard it. It blew me away. The answer was, you never know why you deserve life. And this, the, 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 the surprise perhaps is not clear. Because for sure you deserve life because you are involved in learning Torah every single minute. No. No. That's not clear. Perhaps you deserve life because you answer the questions of all these small children. So this is the second point of greatness. The second point of greatness is that you don't close your heart to your preconception what you want. I have a preconception. 
I want to be involved in learning. And now you, uh, the, the people ask me questions, takes me time, and I say, okay, look, there are other people you can ask. I am now occupied with a very important, important task. I'm just involved in my duties of learning. I have no time for you. Would be okay? Normally, that's what you say. You can't. What life presents in front of you, you have to take that even when it's not your cup of tea. Otherwise, you will stay small. And now, this is another point. This is beginning. Like, that's a beginning point of what means big. Till now, it was only the place which has to be involved. That's centrality. Without centrality, you can't be great. But what means greatness? Greatness means above your limits. Greatness in the Torah means that you are bigger than yourself. That's what you are. You are bigger than what you are. That's the essence of greatness. You are bigger than what you are. But that, that shows itself only when you are involved in things which, is, which are not your cup of tea. Because when you are only involved in things, even in big activities, which are only your cup of tea, then you stay what you are. Only broader, only larger, but not big. You'll have a lot of the same. Greatness is you are more than yourself. But how can you be more than yourself? In that way that you accept these challenges which present themselves in front of you even though you don't agree that this is your cup of tea. No, it's not your thing. He would be definitely able to say, it's not my cup of tea. I don't want to answer all these questions because this is not what I am about. I am about learning. No, you have to answer. This greatness is an essence of our own very practical greatness. Because we meet that every time when we are interacting with our children. We have to teach that. When we interact with our children, when we interact with other people, when we interact at home with my spouse or whatever it is, you always find that you do not agree with the the other person. You do not. And don't be wishy-washy once in a while you are wishy-washy and say, you know, everyone has his own standpoint and uh, it could be you are right. That you say as long as, as it isn't important for you. Then, when you would have a good insight in that, look into the American way of guiding the world, which you have to be a democra- democracy. That, I don't speak now about the Russian, no, but, uh, but when you go to Afghanistan or where it is, it has to be a democracy. No, we don't want. We want to have iron fist rulership. It's that worked for 4,000 years. Great, you know. But today, no. And when you don't want, we shoot. Where is the tolerance? Where is the tolerance? No, it's wrong. The whole point of tolerance is that you feel it's wrong and you go along with it. That's the point.
Yeah? When you don't know that, you are not married. <laughs> because when you are married, you know exactly that you look at your spouse and once in a while you say, crazy. You know, that's not the way to think, you know. What you do then? What you do? You join forces with the other. Not you accept and say, okay, you do it your way. Excuse it at that point at you, you know. Just, you do it your way, it's okay, so, finished already? No, not yet. Okay. Now, finished? Okay. Okay, you do it your way, No, 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 not like this. No, no, no. That's not tolerance. That's superficiality. That doesn't make you grow. That you stay the same small person you were until now, only you make place for another one. No, no, no. You have to join first forces. You have to go along and you have to invest in an endeavor which you think is wrong. It's wrong. Yeah. Then you grow. Then you grow above your limits. That is greatness. That you are able to function and invest in a place which you yourself feel definitely is wrong. It's always like that. And all the other things is you want to stay small and shallow and then you say everyone has his own way. No. No, that's not the point. I have a good opinion and I'm right. And excuse me to point that you, you are wrong. Deadly wrong. But I go along with you. And then what do I do? I move away by great concept which is definitely right and I go with the wrong concept. That's what I do. And then I'm growing. It's a very practical thing. I tell that over. My wife was sitting with two. I am married to, to someone which has a different nature than me. I tell it over in front of my wife too. Okay, so I may tell it over here too. So, it's a very different nature. I have a certain, certain perhaps unsympathetic na- nature that when something is, to do, uh, is in front of me, I'll do it. It's like, that's the Schweitzer, and I'm not Swiss, but it's but like, you, if you have something to do, you do it, you know, why should you? My wife is not like this. I always evaluate back. And I never understood, perhaps you are married too, and you know that, I can't understand, you make a soup, and then you pour the soup out into the bowl, and then what do you do with the pot? You know, wash it out immediately, because it's hot now. No, you don't know. You have to put it a day on the side, and then it's all hard. It's difficult to clean. And then you fill it up with water and it has to stay another day with the water. And then it's soaked well. And then you can clean it. That's my wife. Are you crazy? No, you clean it immediately. No, I have time, you know. I have time. I pour it out. I, pour it. I never understood that. She was sitting there and she can read a book and the sink is full. And she reads a book and she plays with the children and the sink is full. And then she goes to sleep, the sink is full. And she goes, and then, then gets up, and she goes, No, blah, blah, blah. Right? Wrong. I am right. The way you have to behave is like me, huh? But I married someone, which that's not a, that's not a, 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 a reason to divorce. I don't know, see, these days, that could be a reason too, you know, people are so shallow, they can't even swallow this thing, you know. But by me, that was definitely not a reason to go to anything, and I accepted that fine. Ten years later, 
ten years later, we were sitting next to a table, nice table like this, a little bit bigger. We, were, we had eight children, so no more, nine. Before the tenth, I think. So, so there was there were children around the table. And there was one boy sitting on the end of the table. I was sitting here. My wife gave out soup and a very nice daughter, which she is a real genius. Today, uh, unbelievable. You couldn't believe. But she was always floating a little bit, you know. As a young child, she was a little bit off ground, you know, these people. They're not 100% grounded. So my wife gives her the soup, Shabbos, by night, gives her the soup, and she has to pass the soup to the other side. So she passes the soup, and then something is on the table which is more interesting than the bowl. And she makes like this. And if the whole soup is on the table, what would I do when I, I would be the only educator? What would I do? I would jump and would rip the head off, you know? I would say, crazy! So I have a wife, which that's not the first, the first uh, preference. So she looked at it and says, oh, the soup on the table, what shall we do? Shabbos is a problem, you know? So you take a towel, put it on the soup, and then my wife said to the daughter, perhaps she'll try again. And she gave again. Now, who is right now? But who is wrong in general? That doesn't change. Don't be shallow. I only learned that acting in a non-right way makes sense. It stays non-right. I didn't change my opinion. Oh, no. I'm not made out of plastic, you know. (laughs) I don't change my opinion quickly. It stays wrong. It's wrong. But you can behave in the wrong way and it makes sense. You can join forces in a way, in, a, in, in endeavors which are not your cup of tea. And definitely not your cup of tea. What, you, what will you do? You will grow beyond your limits. And what is the truth? You don't want it. You don't want it. You want to convince. And then you want to say. And then you want to say, okay. And then when it comes to the action, then you are doing it like, you know, you have to go through honey. You can't really move. And it's, okay, I will help you. Yeah, already finished? No, not yet. So I will help you further. That's what you do. No, you go with a full oomph. You go into this endeavor, even though you hold this definitely wrong. Then you grow. You'll be a, be a person which is bigger than what you are. And that becomes central to your life. That is the central point by me in life. That I can behave in a way which is not my cup of tea. Personally, I do that. I can tell you that. Personally, I do that. Uh, perhaps that's interesting for my own history. The, um, uh, 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 I naturally, my nature is that I want to be alone. I don't like people. <laughs> Excuse me to tell you that. I don't. I am a mathematician by profession. I was very good at mathematics. Very, very good. And I like to play the piano. So when I was younger, I played the piano. I went to the university, made mathematics, mathematics, sent in my solutions, played the piano. Sent in my solutions, played the piano. That's what I did. I didn't use and need anyone else. I had an office 
Raf Freiberg, you were at my office underground there, yeah? That has no window. I couldn't know whether it's 3 o'clock in the morning or 3 o'clock by night, same thing. You know? And people ask me, are you crazy? You're not claustrophobic? No, I'm not. I'm the happiest person in the world. No one sees me and I don't see anyone. Givaldi. <laughs> Best. Now, I am dealing every single day with people over and over again. But not because I want to be bodied with people. No, I hate that. I will never go to a protest. No, never. I hate to be here a person, here a person, here a person, here a person. I just don't go. I will not be there. I can't. I need my... No, I can't. But what did I do? I take a thing which is not my cup of tea. It was not my cup. But there was a certain reason. There was a certain reason in my life which I saw I need to go and help people. But it's not my cup of tea. But then I have to find a way to do it. So I found a way to do it which is more productive than being stumped, than being, than being a body with others. No. I want to help. I want to understand. I want to feel your life. I want to really make you grow. That's what I want. That's what I could do day and night. But it's not naturally my cup of tea, you see? But that's the way you grow. Otherwise you say to yourself, I would stay until today, I would be a mathematics professor. And what does a mathematics professor do? You know what he does? He creates another mathematics professor. <laughs> that's what he does. That's his job, you know? Was tutor. Macht an anderen. You know, it does, it, it does another one. No? Thank God I'm not in that situation. I, I try to help people in, in a variety of, of circumstances. But it's not my cup of tea. No. No, it's not. But it is. But I revealed that I am bigger than I, what I am. Because what I felt what I am, that's it. You know, involved in myself, solving math. Mathematics, I don't know what that means, proofs and all these things, you know, that I'm thinking about the thing, you know, ah, from here, from there. That was fascinating for me, that's it. Playing the piano, and that's it. That makes a, a very honorable person, you know. When you grow only where you are comfortable with, you will grow. But you'll grow like this. You'll be bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And then, in the end, you'll be like that. You know people like this? Unbelievable developed in one side, and the other side is like this. Uh-uh, I want to be like that. But that needs that my centrality should open up to things which I don't see. It's my cup of tea. Because a human being is bigger than what he is. You are bigger than what you are. And you have to work on that. And that was by Rav Chaim, his writing the answers, being involved with other people. But his cup of tea was learning. He was excited about learning. No. You write all the answers, and you are bigger than what you are. That's the first step. Here's another step. I go further? That's good. I'm running all night. I'm not... Uh, <laughs> what? I'm going all night. Okay, so there is a second step in that. Being bigger than what you are. There's a second step. And this is a delicate one. This is a delicate. But it is so essential in the Torah, which 
which I have to tell you that. Even though, let's say, let's say in an intellectual way, and not intellectual as it is, but in a certain intellectual way. Did you ever see an endeavor where the most intelligent people, ob- objectively intelligent, you know, not only the Chaim, you know, you take uh, the only Vilna, you take everyone, is dealing with the exact same text as the child in first grade. Did you ever see that? Did you ever see that? No, I, I, you can go to a biology teacher and perhaps you would take the text of the undergraduate textbook or of the high school textbook and we'll learn biology for the PhD from that textbook. He would do it? No. No. No, we have sophisticated information. We have to have more. We have to know how these things are working, you know, three-dimensional things. No, no, the high school textbook is very good for children, but for us, we are more advanced. In the Torah, every single one, the simplest person, and the most advanced person in the world learn the same text. How can it be? How can it be? That's something which is very unique. And they were very intelligent people. And very big fiducia, you say that. Novel, novelle. You know, it's a... <laughs> so, why is better Latin than Hebrew? I don't understand. You speak English, no? So, novelle, that's a Latin word. So, I say chidushin. It's just an English word. <laughs> you don't know it yet. If you don't know yet that word, you know, it's English. It's good. So, 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 they were big chidushin. Big. Because not, they're not, they're, they're not only going over again like prayer, you think. You know, you all go over again, the same thing, again, the same thing, again. The same. No, no, no. They were thinking and having new insights. And things which are very simple. Even the child learns that. But uh, you have new insight, a new insight in those things. Why? Because this is the other greatness. That you have a layer which is a second layer which exists together with a simple layer. It's a deeper layer. The only exact um, the only when you would say, the only exact endeavor in the world which has depths, exact endeavor in the world which has depths, according to my opinion, that's the Torah. Einstein is not deeper than Newton. Einstein is right and Newton is wrong. That's not deeper. Depth is only when the simple layer is also true and also consistent then you have depth otherwise you have no depth when the simple layer has cracks and you have to fill these cracks up then it's not deeper it's simply that's the truth but the Torah is not built like this the Torah is built that the simple layer is absolutely consistent there are no holes in it which you have to fill it's absolutely consistent but there is another layer which is more you see more than you are. But now, not more than you are, that you also care for people, also do an other endeavor. It's more than you are in the thing itself. 
you are living in a world which has different flights. Yeah? You could live here, you could live here, you could live here, you could live here. You are living in all different uh, stories or level, yeah? levels. But it's the same thing. You're not thinking about an other concept. That's wrong. No. I think about the very same thing. But I have it in a much deeper understanding. Yeah? So this is a greatness which is a part of your heart. That means my heart is really, when you understand heart in the right way, a certain way, the heart includes always simple things. I don't know how to say that. You think, uh, I, I was once having a shear over Shabbos in some place in New York. That was years ago. And they were sitting, those people, which they were perhaps once learned in yeshiva. They were, they were fully involved in the business. And comfortable people, you know, comfortable, comfortable, comfortable people. <laughs> and I said uh, a, a lecture, and I gave a very simple illustration how a tree is growing. But that's a, that's a very, that's a thing you could work with. But it's simple. And after the lecture, people had a critique on me. They said, Leuchtel is not sophisticated. <laughs> and then I, 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 I don't know what, what happened now. What happened now? I'll make an IQ test against a lot of people. And let's see, okay? But, but, but I, I'll do that. Uh, what means not sophisticated? Means you cherish complicated information. You call that deep. No, I call that complicated. Depth and simplicity go together. Yeah? Because the simple things are the deep things. So when we speak about heart, this is always simple. But I told you that you have to join forces with someone which you are thinking that he is wrong. That's a very simple concept and you experience it when you are married. I, I, was, I can't ask you the whole. I will ask your wife too. She thinks about you exactly the same thing, you know. Yeah. But that's what it is. My wife thinks about me, I'm full-blown crazy. But you know, I think about her the same thing. <laughs> but we are happily married. You for sure she thinks that that guy, what does he do? Why does he go to New York, you know? What is it? Yeah, kick out of that, you know? But, but I, I'm, I'm happy at home. Why can't he stay home, you know? No, I have to do something. Crazy. So, same thing. Yeah. Everyone thinks about the other one. It's very simple. Everyone experiences it. But it's a deep concept. It's depth. It's work. It makes you grow. Simple things make you grow. Sophisticated things don't make you grow. They make you intelligent. They make you able to be show off. They make you able to impress people. That's what you can do. But then, that's not central to you. It depends on the applause of the others. I want to have a central thing within me. Those are always simple things. So simple things are always the same? No. It's layer above layer above layer in those simple things themselves. You know, when I think about, I just have it now, that is my own endeavor now, 
I could speak about Pechnova Chavira, but I want to speak about prayer. And they speak about prayer. So I, I now worked. Worked. That's a too big. But I, I tried to do something about, about my prayer since the high holidays. Roshoni Yom Kippur. I had a new insight. How could I, how could I approach that whole thing? And I tried to approach it. And now I met a, a place where I found a new way how to work on that, that I'm standing in front of the one which created me. It's absolutely new, which is very simple. It's very simple, it's a very simple, but it, this is a layer which is, has layers to it and others and others. It's unbelievable. But when I would explain that to you, excuse me, then you would hear, uh, for, for sure, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. That's what it is. No, it, it, it's deep. That is the Torah. Say, the Gemara says that that when you actually do, actively do what you are supposed to do, new layers of depth will show up. The Torah says that that in the beginning, when we got information, that's like you get information with one eye, and after you do it you are doing it with both eyes. So what's the difference between one eye and two? What's the difference? Depth. But depth in a very subtle way. When I see now that you are behind this lady, I see that with one eye too, you know. I see that. I see that this is further away than this one. It's not depth. The depth is this. I can't, I can't know. I can't know where that is. I can't. You can't, I, like this it goes, but with one eye I can't. And not the information is not available. But it's not, that's what it is. Don't make it like that, because that's the information you get from the elbows. You have to have to do it. The best is I put my finger in front of you, you will, not, you will not be able to catch it. You can't, from the side. You can't. It's physiologically impossible. You can't. So I say, yeah, okay, yeah, you can't. Someone is an optometrist over here, sir? Optics now? No, no one. Okay. I will tell you a trick when someone will tell you close your eyes, you can't do it, you have to move the head. Because then the information is that the, the picture shifts the whole time, and then you have the information. But you have your head straight like this, you can't, you can't find that. You can't do it. That's one eye. You have all the information, but there's no depth to it. You don't know how far you have to reach. The moment you have to, you work, suddenly, aha, ah, it's three-dimensional. It's something, it's a plastic, you call that, and it's that, that it, it's like something three-dimensional which is in front of you. So that is depth. In the very simple thing. It's the same information as beforehand. When I would deliver information, that's why on depth you really can't give a lecture. You really can't. Because when you give a lecture about real depth, people will go away and say, he didn't say anything. <laughs> because that was very simple. No, it's not simple at all. But uh, no, 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 no. sounds to me that he had, didn't have anything to say and that he had to fill up this hour, you know. So he did it like this. No. Because it is an, it's the same thing as a simple thing. It's the same thing, only deeper. The same thing, only deeper. The same thing, only deeper. That's depth in your heart. It's unbelievable the way you can have it in prayer, in caring for another person. What was the insight in prayer? 
I can tell it to you, and you will say, that sounds like spooky. Insight. Tell me, how do you stand in front? You know, uh, I, I, I speak by myself. But this took a work of half a year. Yeah? Every day. Three times a day. I only tell it to you because the rabbi asked, so how should I not say to the rabbi? But um, this is, you are supposed to put your, your uh, shoes or feet together in order you shouldn't stand in a secure way. You know, when I want to stand up in a secure way, I don't go and stand like that. That's the way you stand, that you are, you are a little bit shaky, you know? So that's the way you have to stand, your shmones. So I don't want to be shaky, that's right? I want to be, so people normally, they, they grab the, the, the table, or they grab the stender, or whatever it is, or the shokul, you know? No, I don't do anything. I stand absolutely still, still with my feet together. So where do you have the information that you are not falling off? I have a bad sense of, of, of equilibrium. I can't stand on one leg. I can't do that. Uh, it doesn't go so well. So, so, um, so how do I do that? I get my position because someone is, a, someone is here. There's someone here. That's the point which makes the information. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I need some information. How do I stand upright? I can't, I don't, it's not a question of muscles. I don't need a, 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 a support. I need information. So when you put the finger, you have information where you are. But you put the hands next to you, you have no information. There's no information where you are. The body, my body is lacking information where I am located in the world, you know? Because I'm standing like on one leg. You know, I need information. Where does the information come from? From this. Huh? And I'm standing from the... Sounds like silly, that's right. <laughs> it sounds like very modern, you know, that's what you do. Yes, that's what you do. I simply stand in front of someone. That's what I do. Yeah? You have to stand in front of someone. So for sure. That's what you do. Kreisig Diele took half a year took half a year. That took me half a year to reveal that. That how do you do that that you stand in front of someone that that makes you stable, that makes you straight, standing upright. That was unbelievable. It took half a year of work. When I tell it over, then it's gone. And the information is very simple. The information is you can say the information with one line, you know, even in half a line, even you know, for sure. But it is absolutely non-simple, yeah. It takes work, like a madman, to do that. Yeah? that's called depth. That's called there's another layer, another layer, another layer. That's what greatness is. So greatness is always above what you are, or more than what you are. You are greater than what you are. That's the whole point. You are bigger than what you are. That's the whole point. That's the whole point of greatness. You are bigger than what you are. And we have to work on that. And that's what we can learn from Abhai. When you met Abhai, you saw a big person. But it was simple. He was not sophisticated. That's right. When you met him, was not, there was no sophistication there. There was no, so, no, 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 it's very simple. 
a very simple person. He laughed and interacted and was very simple. A very simple person. But he was layers and layers. And a person which worked on himself, it's not my cup of tea to write answers. It's my cup of tea is to learn. But when the thing comes to me in my life, I will do it. I'll grab it. I will work on that. Because I have to be bigger than my own inclination. Okay? So that is what I think we can learn from the price. That's the thing. I think that's a, that's a big thing. It's a big thing that we saw a person which is bigger than himself. Only to show you that, that I am in the first Nakuda, in the first point, which I told you, you have to be a little bit not so knowledgeable. Rab Chaim said about himself that he is lazy. But he learned 17 hours a day. That his, his laziness was applied to the world outside. And we are absolutely non-lazy to the world outside. Interesting. What happens? Wow. Unbelievable. I have to do something. That's what we are to the world outside. He was lazy. There's nothing to lose there. And you think you lose out every single minute. That's right. He didn't have nothing to lose. I should hear nothing to lose there. But in learning to lose every single second. But outside of me, nothing to lose. That's what we have to work on that a little bit. Okay? At Khan. Hopefully that was good for you. It was a pleasure to be here. And uh, hopefully that was... Uh, uh, a certain insight for you. Can we take a few questions from the... For uh, sure, yeah, for sure. We have uh, it. Yeah. Well, let's take a few questions together and the rabbi will answer. My first question is, um, if the challenge presented in front of you you think is wrong, how do you know you're really doing something that's growing or something that's potentially harmful to you? And I want to if anyone else has any questions, please, uh, yeah, Julius. I agree with everything you say. In, in the situation, the most important thing that I'm looking to learn from what you said is about the soup, because that is really the, the microcosm of yeah. the argument. Do you, to make, to grow, and to make, the, to go in with, with the other person and, and do, do it, uh, you know, full heart, which part do you do? Do you wait the two days till, till it's done, or do you take the proactive part and then and actually clean the pot? Which part of that? Let's add a few more questions together. Ori? Thank you. Um, the Rabbi gave the whole So that I will, that are two questions. Okay, I'll first first I will answer your question. Um, I had this question posed every single time I say, and uh, um, I will tell you the story. I was involved in a kollel for ballet tshuva, and normally those ballet tshuva they marry late, so by the age of 32, 35. The way you say normal, you know, but. Uh, in, in Manhattan, it's called the early childhood. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
Okay, so they're you know, 32, 35, something like that, they marry. And then both people are already bacon, you know. And then trouble begins. You know, because that one was baking in this way, and the other one baked the other way, and then... And then once in a while they, you know, they complain so much... And then, once I, I, my, my patience got lost, and I told them, I tell you, the Creator doesn't think like you. Why? Because He gives life to your spouse. It seems to me that he thinks that's worthful to live in that way. Only you think it's not worthful. According to your opinion, she should be dead a long time ago. You know, <laughs> <laughs> grow up dead. No, no. The Creator thinks it's a very good life like this. That's why he gives life. So the point is, it's not about that I give up on something. It's about a deep recognition that life is bigger than truth. A deep recognition that life is bigger than truth. And even in the Torah itself, Torah is bigger than your own truth. Now, that has to be that both are under the same umbrella. There are constraints. You can't make that with every single person in the world which has an entirely other agenda. But when you are married, both want to bring up children, both want to do have a, a similar agenda. So it's the same. The other one makes the agenda in that way, and you make it this way. Life is bigger than your truth. Yeah? So that's the first. And that's why you have to be actively involved on the beginning. Not only wait till it's done. Actively involved. Not, not involved that you clean the pot. Only involved in that, that you accept, I also now can lay back and do nothing. Because it's better for the children. I learned that. It's not my cup of tea. I want it to... No. It's better to... There's time. And when things won't be done, the children will be happy. So that is what I learned from it. Now, asking you the clear question. This is a question of my own belief. I tell you. I tell you. And we don't cherish that enough. Life is presenting in front of the person tons and tons of things to learn without him searching proactive. Life, when you are a musical and you hear what's going on within your life, you see in minor things which happens to you. Also when you are in Rov Rashbam, there is a major demand on your own involvement in life. You don't have to go. When you are deaf, then you have to open the newspaper or you have to open a book and you have to see how Shakespeare says the lady protests too much by Macbeth or whatever it is. You have, to, you have to see that people tell you what you could see in the world. When you are musical, you hear that. You hear things unbelievable. I give you a, 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 an example. I was... You see that too. I, I can I give you two examples. No, the second is not a nice <laughs> One or two. I give you a first example. I was for years going to, to from Haifa. I had for two years take the bus from Yerushalayim to Haifa and back because I was or living in Haifa and had a shear in Yerushalayim or living in Yerushalayim and working in Haifa. So, so I had to go to the bus. The bus Yerushalayim Haifa is a closed entirety, doesn't open the doors. 
from Tachanem Merkazit Yerushalayim till Haifa. Two hours closed. Yeah? Okay. Now, when there is a long line outside, more than the bus is capable to take, every seat will be taken. Every. That's a simple mathematical thing, you know. All the seats will be taken. How is the bus filling up? To your, you couldn't believe. It fills up one, 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 one. Everyone knows that in the end someone will sit next to him because there are a lot of people waiting. But the bus fills up one, one, one like this, and then when there is no empty space, then they begin to sit one next to the other. Crazy! I never understood that. Why? Why should the bus will be full? I tried it out. I was fifth in row. And there were a lot of people outside. As a fifth in row, I was sitting next to someone which was sitting. <laughs> <laughs> someone will sit here. It's me. <laughs> no. What happens? Now, when you are musical, you hear that is a major challenge on your, you call that Ben Adam It's a major challenge on your interaction with other people. Why do people interact like this? I had to work that out. Huh? But you don't see it. Now you laugh around those. That's right. Because you saw it too. But you didn't recognize that. You didn't make it that. That's an awkward thing to be. Why? You have to be musical. You have to listen to your life. And then you have all the things presented in front of you when you sit in the Chobrash too. When you don't have a listening ear, then you need someone which takes a megaphone and screams in your ear, in, in, into your ear, there is something like this going on. Ah, I hear something. But when you live in an alert way, I once saw it. I make you now a thing I had. It was, you don't know what that means. Nets means you double. You, you, you'd make the prayer with the sunrise. So, in the summer, when there's no summertime, or even when summertime months, that's early. So that's early. So, so it, people, they don't, you know that, you appreciate that, that once in a while you want that the other one should say the birkata Torah for you, because you didn't sleep the whole night, so you need that. So that's a halacha. So you, so there was some boy, which he didn't sleep the whole night, and he came to someone and said, could you say the birkata Torah for me? Yeah, it was five o'clock in the morning. Yeah, five o'clock in the morning. Five o'clock in the morning, and you wanted, could you say the Bilkata Torah for me? And he made like this. I had a whole, a whole stage. It was like, I don't know, Woody Allen or someone which makes jokes, you know. I saw that five o'clock in the morning, I had the best time in my life. And I give you now the whole stage. Someone, you come to me and say, could you please, could you please say the bracha? You can't say it only once. When you say it, you can't do it anymore. Yeah? When you said it, you can't do it anymore. You say it only once. So you ask me, could you please... Rabbi, could you please say the blessings for the Torah for me? <coughs> you already said it? That's it. That's the whole Atzaka. You saw it? No. <laughs> you didn't see anything. But that, again, you made it. Could you say the blessings for me? My question was, why does he make it twice? You can't say it like this. He had to say, I didn't say it already. I said it already, three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I saw that in front of me, happening, five o'clock in the morning, had the best time, Woody Allen in front of me, you know. Why do you do that twice? 
What's that Bachman say? Shailangizok. It's five o'clock in the morning, you know. Well, five o'clock in the morning. I got up three o'clock in the morning. Why do you have to tell that to the other guy, you know? The information is, I said it already. Make like this. No, you make it like that. Oh. You see it? No. You are deaf. You are deaf. You don't see what's going on in your life. Yeah? You have to be alert. And then your life presents in front of you everything you want. Okay? Good. At calm. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.